Thank you, Jennifer. I'm really glad she shared that. I asked her to do that because I don't see it just as a one Friday miracle. I see it as an every Friday miracle. No matter who comes, we have just enough. And uh, it's, it's like manna. It's like the feeding of the 5,000. It really is what we might call a modern-day miracle. And God is providing for so many people. And I'm grateful to Jennifer, the whole team, so many of you around our church help at, at uh, the pantry or, or food day. So thank you very much for that. If you have your Bibles, turn to Luke chapter 11. Luke chapter 11. Uh, get something you can take notes on or take pictures of the screen. Uh, we're going we're gonna to look at uh, God's Word together tonight. I wear glasses. I've worn glasses most of my life. I just took them off. I can't see you. This would be a good time to stick your tongue out me if you want to, because I won't see it. But um, I, I need them pretty much from the moment I get up to the moment I go to bed. And so uh, I have I have glasses kind of stashed around the house. I have some near my bed. I have some in the kitchen, just in case I go into those places and I don't have my glasses on, so I can so I can see. I have some in the bathroom. Uh, plus the glasses I wear, and, and so I need, I need glasses. I cannot see without my glasses. And a couple of years ago, um, things were getting harder to see, and uh, I, couldn't, I couldn't make the, the, my phone, uh, the, the text big enough, and everything was blurry, and I'm thinking, oh my goodness, I'm losing my eyesight. So I go to the optometrist, and they start doing all these tests, and everything comes back normal. And then she says, when was the last time you got a new prescription? And I'm like, I don't, mm, I don't, years. She goes, well, that's the problem. So they did the thing where you're like, is, is it better this way or this way? This way or this way? And I got my new glasses, and I can see perfect, right? It's, it's like... It's like, thank you. Yeah, I, I was kind of dumb. I have, you have to get a new prescription every now and then. And, and, um, and what happened was sometimes I've left my old glasses like next to my bed and I put them on and I can't see anything or I don't have my glasses so I borrow Leslie's and it's just it, hers is stronger than mine so I can't see. And, and what I want to talk about for tonight and the next few weeks is, is putting our Jesus glasses on that we see things from his perspective, that we would put on his, what he wants us to see. Because if I borrow someone else's glasses, I'm not going to be able to see right. If I put on my old glasses, like my old man glasses, I'm, I'm not going to see what he wants me to see. He wants, Jesus says, this is what I want you to see. And so we're going to look at the words of Jesus in, in Luke chapter 11, and he's going to teach us what he wants us to know about prayer. He's going to teach us what he wants to know about prayer. And, and, and it's easy to understand, and he's going to tell us what to do. Uh, the question is, are we going to do what he tells us what to do? Are we going to put his glasses on? And, and I want to say this as we begin, that prayer isn't just for a few of us. Sometimes uh, we think, well, you know, Leanne leads the prayer team at church, and so those people that work with Leanne, they are the prayers, or Tuesday night women get together to pray, and so they're the ones that pray, or Saturday morning the men get together to pray, and they're the ones that are supposed to pray. No, it's really for all of us to pray. Prayer is for everyone who knows God. It's not just for a few, and, and I'm going to share some things that Jesus shares with us so that I can help you unlock that prayer life that God desires for you to have, and that we do it together. 
What you can see a little bit in the English language, but definitely in the Greek, is the pluralness of everything he's saying, that we do this together, that we would pray together. There's power in praying together. And the devil is the one who's going to try to make you think you're not good at prayer. He's going to try to, to make, make you think that's, that's for other people. You're no good at it. And he's going to try to keep us from praying or even praying together. But we're called to pray as a church. I heard Mark Batterson say this one time. I'll put it on the screen. If you aren't a praying church, then you're just playing church. Jesus said, my house will be called a house of prayer for all nations. And so I want to talk about prayer for the next few weeks. And, and I want to just again look at what Jesus says about prayer. And <clears throat> prayer is a concept that is both ancient and modern. It's, it's in the Old Testament and the New Testament. And so this week, we'll just look at the Old Testament word for prayer or petition or intercession. And it's the word pagah. And it means to collide or impact, that, that there would be this, this coming together in a, like a collision. If you're buying a used car, what's one thing you want to know when you're buying that car? Has it been in an accident? Or how many accidents has it been in? Because once there's a collision, everything changes in the car, right? It's not the same. Something happens. And, and I love that picture of colliding with God that I'm not the same after I, that God's impact in my life or that collision with God. So it also gives me a, a pretty good understanding of what prayer is, that it's not just something I recite, like now I lay me down to sleep, but it's actually something much deeper, much stronger. It's this face-to-face, -face, like coming together, collision with God. It's, it's both powerful and intimate at the same time. And, and I love that way, the way that, that that word tells us what prayer or intercession is. So let's go back to Jesus. And before I get to Luke chapter 11, I'm going to go to Mark chapter 1 and just see prayer in Jesus' life. So in Mark chapter 1, verse 35, <clears throat> it says, After rising very early in the morning, while it was still dark, he departed and went out to a desolate, desolate place, and there he prayed. This verse is in Mark, but it's actually in all the different Gospels of Jesus finding time to be alone and to pray. That, that's what Jesus did. That was a regular part of his life. And, and we should be like Jesus, right? So how do we pray? How do we do this? Let's go to Luke chapter 11. Now we're just going to read verse 1 and the first part of verse 2. It says, now it came to pass as he was praying in a certain place. So again, he's gone out to pray. And when he had ceased, uh, that one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray as John also taught his disciples. So he said to them, when you pray, say, our father in heaven, hallowed be your name. I'm going to pause it right there as we begin what is called the Lord's Prayer. That Jesus had a certain place to pray. He had a certain way to pray. He had alone time with the Father. They had that special relationship. And the disciples see this. And they realize Jesus' relationship with the Father, his relationship with God, and the power with which he worked came from his prayer times. 
And so they're the ones that ask, Jesus, how do we pray? Like, you have this amazing relationship with God. You have all this power. How do you pray? And this will be on the screen. Of everything they could have asked about, the disciples could have asked about, they asked about prayer. What I find interesting about this teaching that's about to come our way the next few weeks in Luke chapter 11 is that it's not Jesus saying, okay, I'm going to teach you about prayer now. It's that the disciples asked about prayer. They had a desire to learn about prayer, that, that Jesus is teaching based upon their desire. They wanted this, and, and, and I don't know about you, but that makes me say, I want to learn about this. I want that desire to be my desire because I'm going to have as much of God as I want in my life, as I desire in my life. And so I want a desire like the, the disciples desired. I want a hunger like they had a hunger to know God in a deeper way, to see his power at work in their lives. And so Jesus gives us a pattern for prayer. Rabbis would teach their students how to pray. Obviously, John the Baptist taught his disciples how to pray. And now the disciples ask Jesus, how do we pray? Now, for me, when it comes to the Lord's Prayer, I have flashbacks back to childhood because we're not a very formal church. We don't say our Father very often, if ever. We, we, just, we don't recite the Lord's Prayer. Uh, we see it more as a pattern of prayer. So I have to go back in my mind to when I was in grade school at a Christian school, and and we would have to say the Lord's Prayer as part of the curriculum or chapels or different things. And what we did as little guys is we would say it as fast as we could, even though we were supposed to go along with everybody else. And whoever got done the fastest, we're like, yeah, you know, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. You know, but that's the thing. Or maybe you've done it for penance, or maybe you still do it. It's It's... It's just this pattern of prayer that Jesus taught. And what I want, to, want you to remember is this isn't something that a priest taught us to pray or a pastor or a church taught us to pray. This is something Jesus taught us to pray. This is coming from Jesus himself. When, when he's asked about prayer, he's the one that teaches this. And so when I started to study this, I, I just said, okay, Jesus, what are you teaching us through this prayer? And I think I've seen some things that I had never seen before in, in just these first three lines of the prayer. And we'll go through it in the weeks to come. But, but he starts, our Father, our Father. In the Old Testament, God is seen as Father. He's mentioned to be Father 15 times in the Old Testament. And God is our Father, right? He's our Creator. He's the one that that created us and sustains us. So, of course, we think of God as our Father. Isaiah sixty-eight or sixty-four eight says, "Yet you, Lord, are our Father. We are the clay. You are the potter. We all are the work of your hand." This idea that God created us, that He's forming us, that He's working in us, and so fifteen times in the Old Testament. God is referred to as Father. So they would understand God as a Father, but something in the New Testament changes. Something radically changes because in the first four books of the New Testament, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, by the time John ends, not even counting the rest of the New Testament, God is not mentioned as Father 15 times. 
He's mentioned as, as father 170 times. So something has changed in the New Testament to see God as father, that there's, there's something special about this relationship with God the Father. Something has changed. And Jesus had that special relationship with the Father, right? We know in John 10, 30, he says, I and the Father are one. So there's this closeness, this intimacy that, that, that there's the Father and the Son, and they are both God. And, and no one to this point has had that kind of intimate relationship with the Father, with God. And then Jesus teaches us, and this is what's so interesting, Jesus teaches us to pray, our Father. Now, what's, what's powerful about that is that Jesus is inviting us into his relationship with the Father. I don't know if you've ever seen that before. It's like, it's not just that he's our creator, and yes, he's the potter and we're the clay. No, he's, he's, he's taking us, and you can write this down, we are invited to address God the same way Jesus does. We're invited to address God the same way Jesus does. I don't know about you, that's remarkable to me. It's like just a big wow. He's saying from the very beginning, this is, this is it. This is what I have for you. This is, this is our is the key, our Father. That we take our place uh, alongside Jesus. That, that we're partaking in the relationship of the Father and the Son together. And the closeness with God comes through my relationship with Jesus. That, that now I approach God as Jesus does because Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. And I can say, our Father that we're now adopted into God's family. That's another uh, teaching from the New Testament, this idea that I'm now, uh, I'm now brothers with Christ. And obviously, he's the elder brother. It's very clear in the New Testament. We are not, we are not Jesus, but we are brothers. We are adopted into his family. And I think about this. <clears throat> if you were an orphan and you wanted to be adopted, Man, I'd want to be adopted into Jesus' family, right? I mean, that would be the family to be adopted into. And, and we, we have not just this earthly father, we have the best dad ever, right? We have a good, good father. And he says, I want you to come in. This is our father. This is how we approach it. It's our father. Galatians 4, 5, and 6 say, to redeem those under the law, that we might receive adoption to sonship. Because you are sons, God sent a spirit of his son into our hearts, the spirit who calls out, Abba, Father. Father is no longer this distant title for God. It's now this close, intimate relationship that Jesus invites us into, that we begin to see the tender side of God, his goodness, his love. You can write this down. The omniscient, omnipotent creator God dwelling in eternity invites his believers to call him Abba Father. He, he does that. I don't know if I, yeah, I did, did get that on there. So the omniscient, omnipotent creator God dwelling in eternity invites believers to call him Father. So he is our Father because of Jesus. And he is, we're, we're in that relationship that moves us to who art in heaven. Our Father in heaven. 
It tells me that God has a location. That location is heaven. And, and heaven is a word for us to, to, to know that, that God is both near and available, but it doesn't pin him down to a place. You know, we think of the heavens or the skies. You could translate it skies. You could also translate it air in the Greek, like air that we breathe all around us. Like that, that God is all around us, but he's also with us. That, that he's not limited to the categories of time and space as we are. He, he's unlimited, and yes, yet he is with us. And he's different from the gods of other religions. And from that, in that time period of the Roman gods, uh, the Roman gods, you would have to go to a temple to worship a, a Roman god. You, would, you, you don't know where they were at in the earth. You know, you'd have to go to that temple where, where we don't have to go to a temple anymore. We, we know that God is with us. He, he is all around us. That God is not begotten. He's not made up by some human, uh, human entity. He, he's not earthly like the, the gods of the Romans. He's, he's completely different, subject to no one, completely unlimited. God is with us beyond our categories of comprehension. He is in heaven, but he's also with us. He's not just roaming the earth. He's, he's not just in a temple. He is everywhere all the time. He is our Father, which art in heaven. And then it leads us to hallowed be your name. Hallowed be your name. A few weeks ago, uh, if you remember, I was talking about uh, having a young staff and, and every now and then they call me dude in a conversation. Oh, dude. And it's like, whoa, whoa, whoa. You know, I'm not used to being called dude. I'm like at that age where, you know, or my sons say, dude. And it's like, no, I'm dad, not dude, you know. Um, or, you know, if, you're, if, if my son was talking back to Leslie, what would I say? I'd say, watch your mouth. Watch your mouth because watch who you're talking to. You don't, you don't talk that way. And again, I'm, I'm just having fun. We have very respectful staff. I'm just, it's just part of the vernacular and every now and then I'm a dude, right? But with God, uh, his name is holy. It's hallowed. Um, and it's, it's not like the names of other gods, uh, the names that were given by man to other gods, like Zeus and Hermes, that would be like a, a father and son in the, in the Roman gods. But God reveals his name to us. We don't give God his name. He revealed it to us. Because Moses, I mean, you think about it, God didn't have a name uh, for the first, I don't know, how many hundreds of years because it was always the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And then when they're going to release, after 400 years of, of slavery, they're going to release Israel. It, Moses says, what's your name? Who should I say? Who should I say is 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 God, the one sending me, and, and who, the father of the children, who are you? And, and God's name is so perfect. So God reveals, he's, what does he say? I am that I am. It, it's Yahweh in, in Hebrew, but I am that I am. I am who I am. That's it. That's just, I, I exist. That's what God's saying. I exist. And uh, then he says, in, in, in when he's talking to Moses, he says in, in Exodus 3.15, This is my name forever, the name you shall call me from generation to generation. His name is so sacred, 
that that when you read Jewish literature, they won't even use the name Yahweh. In fact, if you see it in English, it'll usually have a G and then like a, a dash and a D because they don't even want to use that word God. Uh, some are so, uh, they won't even say the word. And, and that's to this day it, because God says, my name is holy. My name is sacred. You are to revere my name, consecrate my name. That's when I think about the name of God, that's why I want to be humble in my worship and humble in my prayer. God says, I listen to those who are humble. So again, it's our father. We can come to him like Jesus did, who art in heaven. You're, you're all, you're in the air all around us, God, but you're not limited to time and space. But hallowed be your name. You're holy. I humble myself before you. I love that God doesn't let us know who he is even when he reveals his name. He, he's basically saying, you're not going to figure me out. I'm transcendent. Anything you know about me is because I've revealed it to you. You're not going to give me a name. You're not going to tell me what I'm going to do. I'll tell you what I'm going to do. And I love that about God. Holy is his name. One rabbi said that God is God with or without us. I love that. God is God with or without us. But I love that God chooses to not be without us. He wants to be with us. And God reveals himself in different names. And we're not going to go through each of these, but they'll be on the screen. He just says, this is who I am. But what you notice about all of the names of God is that, that he doesn't, uh, so you'd put Yahweh in front of or Jehovah in front of each of those names. It doesn't describe him. It describes him to us. He's saying, this is who I am to you, right? I'm your shepherd. I'm your provider. Sometimes we sing that song, Jaira. I'm your provider. I'm your healer. I'm your banner. When we wave, the, wave a banner, that banner, you raise the banner when you're victorious, right? When, remember when the Bears score a touchdown, which isn't very often, but when they do, they have a big flag. They run around the field. Why? Because, like, it's victory, right? It's, it's the banner of victory, and so he's our victory. Uh, shalom, he's our peace, our wholeness. Makedish, he sanctifies. He's our righteousness. Sitkanu, Shema, he's here. He's, he's present. He's with me. And, and so all these names speak to who he is for us, what he's promised to do. You can write this down. Hallow means to honor, make uncommon, make something special. We should adore the name of God, our Father, who art in heaven. Holy is your name. That we just, we would humble ourselves and keep it holy. In fact, it's one of the, it's one of the Ten Commandments, right? Exodus 27, you shall not take the name of the Lord in vain, for the Lord will not hold him guiltless who takes his name in vain. This is just, this is just the beginning of the prayer. This is just the first three little things. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. And, and sometimes when you talk about prayer, and again, it's for all of us, we think, okay, I'm going to pray, I'm going to grit my teeth, and, and I'm going to do it. Even if it kills me, I'm going to pray. But I hope you're seeing as Jesus reveals this prayer to us that, that it's, it's no longer a duty, it's a delight. I get to say, my Father, our Father, 
Jesus, our Father who art in heaven. It begins with worship. It begins with, with just our focus on God, not on us when we come to him. He, we're worshiping, we're focusing on him. And, and, and I'm also humbling myself when I come before him. I'm, not, I, I'm, I'm, I'm coming to the one who is all-powerful, but he's still going to listen to me. He wants to hear my heart. And so what I hope we're beginning to do is we're, hope, we're beginning to put our Jesus glasses on because I'm, I'm supposed to pray and I'm like, okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pray. No, we just begin to, to put the Jesus glasses on and just, just begin. Maybe this week, this is how you pray. Just do the first three. <laughs> Our Father. Thank you, Jesus, that, that you made a way. It's, it's our Father who art in heaven. You are, you are boundless, and yet you're with me. Hallowed be your name. Holy is your name. Reveal your, your, yourself to me, God, as my provider and my healer and my strength. I won't take your name in vain. I want us to, to spend some time in prayer tonight, so I'm just going to ask you to bow your heads and your hearts with me. I think it's important that we practice what we preach, that we don't just move on. And so I'm just going to ask um, just for some quiet music to be in the background. And, and you've got the first three things, right? You, you've got our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. I'm just going to ask you to pray through those things.